0: Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the hump day at Eastern of the Yard. Hope things are well with you wherever you are today. We got some great rain last night in Stark, Vegas, supposed to have a little bit more coming. It kind of cooled things off a little bit, but you know what, kids? It's summertime. It is summertime, which means summer weather, which means humidity and sweat and, uh, you know, extra antiperspirant and all that good stuff. But uh, yeah, it's a great day here. It's a better day today than it was a couple days ago. And certainly a few days ago, we'll talk a little bit about kind of where we are. A lot of reaction to Monday's show, and I want to thank you. I had probably had – that's probably one of the shows, you know, since the, all the um, the old Miss stuff ended, probably the number two show. I probably got more response from the flag show, you know, when they first started talking about canceling fun, the super regionals and all that kind of stuff because of the flag. Got a lot of response out of that one, 99% positive. Got a lot of response from Monday show, and just uh, kind of making the case for college football. We're going to talk a little more about that today, and kind of update you on kind of where we are and what I'm hearing. But I certainly appreciate your well wishes and kind words whenever uh, you enjoy something. And listen, if you don't, tell me too. I mean, you know, I, this is a show for the people, of the people, and by the people, and uh, by the people being me. Uh, well, I just I'm a bulldog, and I firmly believe that uh, sometimes. Good news and bad news is best delivered to Mississippi State folks from other Mississippi State people, and so I do my best to try to stay on top of that. And Charlie Winfield, you guys may know Charlie, Charlie, uh, an attorney here in town, also part of the broadcast team for the SEC Network when we do local broadcasts here. Charlie made a comment of how important it is to have the the local guys, guys with boots on the ground. Uh, and listen, I I appreciate that, and I, I'm a firm believer as you know we. We have real sources. We have relationships with people. And so we reach out and there's some questions we can get answered that perhaps the national media can't. Now, of course, sometimes there's national media people that come to town and get access that we don't. And that's a bone of contention that I have uh, raised many times because you know what? As I told, uh, I won't say who because I don't want to embarrass them. Uh, They're no longer here. But uh, back in 2014, there were some things going on. You you may remember that uh, you know the college football world was centered on the state of Mississippi, and so we had a lot of people show up, and they were basically given unfettered access to the program. And all of us that are here that cover Mississippi State sports year round, uh, there was some access we were not granted. And they said, "Well, you know, it's you know, it's ESPN, Steve. It's you know, it's Sports Illustrated. You know, I, I get it. You know, to a, to a lesser extent. But listen, the, the way that I look at it is, you know." When we get shelved in a doubleheader and, and then it's cold and it's, you know, 35 degrees out and misting, you know, ESPN's not going to be here. You know, and so I think some of those bones should be thrown in our direction. But uh, somebody called me later in the year after we would lost, a, you know, a ballgame or two when we're no longer in the FBS playoff and, you know, you know, the, the the bloom was off the rose, so to speak. Someone called me and said, hey, can you can you do us a favor and, uh, hey, hey, could you write this article for us? Get, you know, we, we get some some things we want to get out there. If you would be willing to write this article, you know we, we can let you talk to this person or that person. And uh, I goes, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to write your article. Was Pete Dammel and Pat Fordy not available? You know, it, it's funny how that works. You know, it's like whenever things are going great, you know that uh, you know those guys come around and and listen. They do a good job, and I'm not going to sit here and be critical of the job they do. There's a reason they're in the position they're in. But I just thought, you know what, it's like, hey, well, now, now that those guys have moved on, now that you know, it's the flavor of the month, now we come back and say, hey, can you help us out? Of course I will. I'm happy to do that. But it's one of those things, too, that it, it does kind of rub me the wrong way after a while. It's like, hey, I wanted to write that story. As a matter of fact, there were things that, there are times that I have requested players for interviews uh, during those national runs, and they've been unavailable to us in the local media. And then, then I read about it on uh, ESPN. You know, that's, that's that's a tough thing to deal with. It really is. Now, I'll be honest with you, it has gotten better in the last couple of years. It's gotten better. I think Bill Martin did a great job. I think Brendan Langwall does a good job to try to take care of the local guys because, again, we're going to be here. And I think a lot of that, too, come, probably comes from, the, uh, from John Cohen, too. I think John's one of those guys that understands, you know, how hard we work. And, you know, maybe being on the baseball side of things, you know, he understands when Mississippi State baseball was playing – you know Mississippi Valley State in a laughter of a game on a Tuesday night that ran till eleven o'clock. We were there, you know. We were there, and so I think he appreciates the job that we do, and uh, certainly appreciate the access that we get. So remind you too if you hadn't done so. And uh, it's already been a great man, a great run already. Uh, Alpha Dogs is now available for pre-order. You can go right now to alphadogsthebook.com dot and pre-order alpha dogs it'll be out here in a few weeks we'll get a release date here in the next couple days but uh, you know you can go pre-order your book to ensure you're going to get a personalized copy and if you love mississippi state you need to have this book you need to have stark villains too and if you'd like to go back and read about the demise of the old miss football program you can read about flim flam but um, very proud of alpha dogs i think you will be too again it's available online right now only at alpha go ahead and order today to ensure that you get them. And uh, I have instructed the publisher, too. You know, we've got to make sure these things get in the mail, uh, you know, as soon as possible. You know, last year it kind of happened in the middle of football season, and I ended up missing a trip to College Station just trying to get all this book signed. And so you'll get a signed copy. And listen, if you want them personalized, you can get them personalized. You put in the notes, hey, I want this to be a gift to my brother Jim or whatever. You can put all that in there. Steve, Hell State, go to Hell Ole Miss, whatever you want. We'll put it in there. So, again, it's alphadogsthebook.com, and you can buy all three of my books right there, alphadogsthebook.com. And if you've got Stark Villains the Book bookmarked, that'll get you to the same place. I want to thank our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company, longtime sponsors of this show, man, and love them. Listen, I, I told you I'm trying to get in there once a week now. You know, we're getting a lot of to-go orders around this place. You know, it's sometimes uh, we don't all eat at the same time. It's different schedules, but... Uh, Nobody ever complains. When I I say, hey, listen, hey, guys, I'm going to get Bulldog Burger Company. And it, it gets those college girls of mine back home. Either they'll meet me at Bulldog Burger Company or they'll come home to get their food. And sometimes they eat it here and sometimes they take it with them. But nobody ever says, hey. I really don't feel like Bulldog Burger Company tonight. They're always on board with that decision. Your family will be too. Give them an opportunity to serve you. You can make an online order at eatwithus.com. That's eatwithus.com. They'll still do curbside service for you, or you can call your order in, and they're still dining service and certainly out there. Uh, you know, outside, they've got that nice little patio area for you as well. Two locations now to serve you right here on University tribe in Stark Vegas, and then on Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. Go by, have the pimentology, add bacon, and I'm gonna tell you, get the spring rolls. You guys think I'm joking? It's the truth, and everybody says, "Hey Steve, I had the spring rolls." You're right. It's fabulous. Bulldog Burger Company, the place for people in Starkville and now Tupelo. Go to meet M E A T. All right, so here is where we are, and uh, one of the first phone calls that I make just about every day is to my friend and colleague, Mike Nemeth. Uh, you know, Mike uh, was over Media Relations from Mississippi State for many years, and so I'll call him sometimes I'll say, Mike, listen, what does this mean from an administrative point of view? You, you've been on the other end of this thing. What's the university thinking? What's the league thinking? What's college football thinking And so I'll bounce some ideas off of them. And Mike has always been a great sounding board for me. And and, uh, listen, it's one of those things where if you have access to that level of information, you have to utilize it. You have to. And so most mornings, you know, I get up and I go outside and I bring the dogs outside and kind of let them handle their business. And uh, I kind of just have a little time to myself. And then I start thinking about the day. What do I want to get done today? What do I have to get done today? But most mornings, I'll call Mike Nemeth and I'll say, hey, listen, Mike, what do you think about this? Here's what I'm thinking. Where am I wrong about this? Where am I right about this? Even before I get on radio shows, a lot of times I try to talk to Mike just because it's helpful to kind of talk things through. So one of the questions that I had for Mike this morning, I said, you know, it's it's kind of been an accepted thing here for a couple days. Okay, well, the Big 12 is the swing vote for college football because since Saturday we've all been bracing for the fact that the Big 10 and the Pac-12 – uh, we're going to bow out this year, and uh, they're talking about a spring season. Uh, I posed that question on Twitter last night. I said, "Hey, guys, do you really expect the Big Ten to play football in the spring? So far there's been about fifteen hundred votes, and you have spoken with authority. nearly 95% of voters do not expect the Big Ten to play in the spring. I don't expect them to play in the spring either. I think it's a complete no-go. You begin to think about all the NCAA regulations that are in place about player safety and things of that nature. You've got to have, what, six weeks of football camp. So when does that begin? You know, the guys come back from the holiday break. They begin to, you know, practice, whatever. So then you're probably looking around like a March, late February start date. You're going to play a a revised schedule. I mean, it's going to be first. You're going to be a non-conference schedule, so now it's going to be an an abbreviated schedule, or you're going to play two full seasons in a matter of about eight months. It's difficult to uh, to take any conversations about quote player safety seriously when you're going to have them put in kind of a year's worth of work in about eight months. You know, one of the things that I mentioned last night on Twitter is I don't think many of the the casual fan, I don't think you guys understand how many of your players, as soon as the season ends, goes to the operating table. There's a lot of little nagging injuries and things like that. You know, some that keep them out, some that don't. But a lot of it certainly impacts their life. And they go have a minor surgical procedure, and then they're out, you know, several weeks, and sometimes a few months to kind of prepare and heal and get back into playing shape. Well, if you're going to play a spring season – When are they going to have an opportunity to heal? Well, then all of a sudden you get into spring football, right? So you're going to play spring football. You're not going to have spring practice. So that's going to kind of serve, you know, basically as glorified scrimmages. And then we go right back to work in June with voluntary workouts. So when will these guys have the opportunity to really rehab and rest? Okay, well, they're going to take the summer off. Okay, so then you're going to enter the fall, with guys that are not necessarily in playing shape. And I think that that is unfortunate because I believe we're going to have a window to play college football here in the fall. Now, granted, that's probably more hope than knowledge. And I'm saying that up front. But if you look at how the numbers are trending, the seven-day average within our state, within our region, within our country is going down. That's not to say that we can relax and take our mask off and things of that nature. The bottom line is we have to continue to do what we're doing and probably be even more vigilant. But things are trending in the right direction, which is one of the things that makes this decision so you know, head-scratching. Why did the Big Ten have to do it now? You know, why couldn't they just say, listen, we might be rushing this a little bit. We're going to go along with the SEC and wait to start playing you know, September 26th. That gives us some time to kind of see what, what's going to happen with the virus over the course of the next four to six weeks. Another part of that, too, is with the SEC, the Big 12, and the ACC all saying, hey, we plan to move forward and play. So over the course of the next 30 days, if the numbers continue to do well, and, and, and I say that, that's probably the right phrasing, if they continue to trend in a positive direction, it is almost impossible for the SEC, the ACC, or the Big 12 to come back later and say, well, due to an abundance of caution due to coronavirus we're not going to play this year because how can you say today we're going to move forward with our plan and then the numbers get better and then you have an adverse reaction to that i think in many ways you must back yourself in a corner a little bit by saying you know we're going to move forward with this and then if things continue to improve i don't know that there's any wiggle room but it's come out and cancel that's one of the things that makes the whole Big Ten thing that make you kind of scratch your head. They could continue to practice and then make this decision a month from now or make this decision three weeks from now. That's why I don't understand why they had to go ahead and make the decision when they did. But that being said, we all knew. Listen, the Pac-12 is the Big Ten lap dog. We all know that. I mean, the people don't even go to the games out there. That's why that's like. there is not a more irrelevant pa- Power Five conference than the Pac-12. And I know there's some fans there. well, Steve, you're not being fair. No, I am being fair because you guys don't even go to the dadgum games. You know, and part of the thing out there is there's more sports competition. There's more competition for your entertainment dollar. The, your emotional buy-in is different. I've got some friends who live in California. They're much more pro sports fans than they are college fans. You know, around here, this is all we have. I mean, sure, you've got some huge Saints fans, some huge Braves fans. You've got some Cowboys fans, but they're really Dak fans you got a few Tennessee Titans fans. But the bottom line is this, college sports stirs the drink in the Southeast. That's just the reality of life. But, I mean, you could turn on a game last year. You'd have a primetime game between, you know, Stanford and Cal or Oregon, Oregon State or whatever, and there's nobody there. You know, the Pacific Northwest probably a little bit better than California. But those guys don't even go to the games. And so it's like, you know, it's no big deal to them. It's everything to us. And so no surprise there that the Pac-12 went along with the Big Ten. I mean, that's just, you know, the Big Ten's calling that shot. And, uh, you know, listen, we don't have the the liberty of knowing what they know. We don't know what their medical people told them. But it is incredible to think that the medical reports would be so different than what our folks have got. So what does the Big 12 deal mean? Okay, so, and this is where Nemeth comes in here. So, Why does the Big 12 vote skew things a little more positively? Well, the first thing is now you've got the majority of the Power Five are saying, hey, we're going to play. You know, and people considered the Big 12 the swing vote. I, I don't know that that's the case, that the ACC and the SEC would have said, well, we're not going to do it because of the Big 12. I do believe there was probably a lot of lobbying behind the scenes to at least ask them to stay the course rather than make a rash decision like the Big Ten did. And, of course, the Big Ten decides for them and the Pac-12. And so the Big 12 decides to stay in, and it gives the ACC and the SEC some comfort in numbers, if you understand what I'm saying. It's like, okay, if the, if the SEC was out there on an island to itself, the media pressure, which then in turn turns into public pressure, becomes almost insurmountable. And yeah, sure, Greg Sankey and the league presidents can dig in their heels and say, this is what we're going to do. But when you're the only person out there, you begin to kind of question your judgment and say, you know what? Are we really that much smarter than everybody else? Do we really have a better take on this? What if we're wrong? Well, it's a lot easier to have that comfort level to think, okay, let's press forward when you've got people that are in agreement with you. And it it's difficult to trudge that road along against public perception. So... I think it's important for people to understand, too. While, yes, the Big 12 comes around, gives some cover for the SEC and the ACC, and, of course, the, I guess the Sun Belt and Conference USA are still hanging in there. Inter- interestingly enough, it is all the, uh, pretty much the Southern Conferences kind of hanging in there. That's one of the things, too, that uh, Nima said recently I kind of agree with. It's like if you live on a coast, you've got to think about all the people that live in between you. There's a lot of people you know, that live on coasts that uh, maybe aren't in touch with Middle America or the Southeast. And so it's important sometimes to kind of get out and get a, a wide range of opinions. And I, and I agree with that. But the bottom line is this. We can still cancel college football. I'm not trying to be a wet blanket. I mean, I, I read some of those tweets last night. Within seconds of the Pac-12 news coming out, some of the same people – and people say, "Well, Steve, they're not really cheering against college football." No, I don't. I don't agree. I don't. I don't. I don't disagree with that. I, I don't think there are people that are cheering against college football, but I think there are some people who are so invested in being right that they have lost objectivity. There was a tweet last night that I responded to Darren Ravel, who's been, in, you know, talked about sports business for years and years. Makes a comment, we got the Big Ten and the Pac 12 canceled, and then he goes and makes a comment about Ray Tanner, South Carolina's AD, talking about um, you know, not only having games but having people in the stands. I found that phrasing to be awfully interesting. We we got the Big Ten and the Pac twelve canceled. That's it's interesting phrasing for a person in, in the media. It's just odd to me. And that's the one of the things I question. Is this a movement? Is there something out here that I'm aware of that I don't get the memo here? Am I not in the inner circle? I mean, Is this something more? And it's so silly people say, well, Steve, I just think that's just kind of how we talk. So listen, this is an educated man. He could simply have said the Big 12 and the Pac-10, or pardon me, the Big 10 and the Pac-12 have canceled and now here we have. But no, we... We got the Big Ten and Pac 12 canceled. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but that just seems to be kind of weird to me. And the fact that other people challenged him on it, he didn't change it. It's just weird. It's really weird to me. So, again, within seconds of that news coming out, people were kind of throwing some wet blankets on, hey, Steve, listen, hey, you know, hey, hey, wait a minute now. We, we can still cancel. And we absolutely can't. We absolutely can. But no matter what happens, I think the SEC, the ACC and the Big 12 have all said, hey, listen, it's too early to make this decision. We put some protocols in place that are working. Mind you, they are working. We put some testing protocols in place, and we're able to kind of detect when our guys have an issue and we're able to quarantine them, and that's working you know, we've kind of been able to prevent some of these outbreaks. And then the Pac-12 comes out yesterday and says, hey, listen, pardon me, the Big 12. I get them confused. And I shouldn't because the folks in the Big 12 clearly have a better idea what's going on. The Big 12 says, hey, listen, we know there's some concern about, you know, heart conditions and that sort of stuff. So we're going to do MRIs of hearts and we're going to do these blood tests. We're going to do even more extensive testing to protect student-athletes. So when you begin to think about this, okay, it's not just as simple as, okay, we're going to put a Q-tip up their nose and test it and make sure everybody's good. We're going to now ensure that not only do they get not get COVID, but if there is any more threatening issues here, and I'm going to get to some of this a little bit later in the show, we're going to address it. We're going to be on top of it. We're going to take some preventative measures to ensure that these student athletes are not put into a situation where they get heart damage. And it's interesting how the goalposts continue to move. That's the thing, too. It's like, well, okay, listen, we, we can't do it because we're putting fans at risk. Okay, so we won't have any fans. Well, how are you going to test all these kids? Okay, but we're going to do them twice a week. We're going to do them six days for competition, three days for competition. And anybody, anybody gets, you know, sick, gets test positive, we're not going to wait for them to get symptomatic. We're going to go and quarantine them. Okay. Well, what are you going to do if uh, somebody gets COVID and they get a heart condition? You know, it's like it, it just it never ends. It never ends. And so now, of course, you know, they, they could say, listen, we're going to keep these guys in, in bubbles and, and they're going to sleep in these uh, Michael Jackson chambers or whatever. And, and, uh, and we're going to keep them completely ostracized from the rest of the campus. Well, then all of a sudden you say, okay, well, you're keeping them safe, but you're denying them the college atmosphere. Make up your minds what you want to do. Because the people that want to play college football will find a, an answer or a solution for all of it, and the people that don't want will find a way to be critical of it. And there are so many people that have said, well, Steve, you know, what are we really doing here? Well, we're trying to live our lives. And if you want to stay home, then stay home. I won't think any less of you. As a matter of fact, some of you should stay home. There are some people in a high-risk category that you'll probably need to take more precautions than other people. I don't love you any less. But I don't think if you take your ball and go home, you can just sit out the window and yell at the other kids who want to play and tell them to go home. I think it's wrong. And so if we can safely play college football, we should play college football. And I don't think the SEC should ever do anything based on what the Big Ten and certainly not what the Pac-12 wants to do. Matter of fact, if y'all want to stop playing them, that's fine with me too. Because I think we're just kind of supplementing them. I think if you look at the Pac-12 too – my goodness, man. It's like, what a what a train wreck it is out there. We talked about before about how the Power 5 might move away. I think that, you know, w- w- maybe we need to reevaluate the Power 5. want to remind you, too, if you need to smell good, the folks at Hawthorne will take care of that for you. H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E dot C-O, Hawthorne dot C-O. Promo code Boneyard. Unlock some savings for yourself. But here's the deal, guys. Many of you are already paying too much money for cologne that doesn't fit you. You put on a comfortable pair of shoes, you put on a good shirt, you feel good. Go out there for a night on the town, you go grab some cologne and squirt it on and it doesn't fit you. You want to improve your batting average, guys? Let the folks at hawthorne.co help you. Go to their website, take the short two-minute quiz. I don't think it even takes two minutes. They will pair you up with fragrances that fit your preferences. You are in charge then they'll send you the work sent, the place in you're going to feel even better you're going to feel even better i'm telling you you're going to be more confident at everything you do hawthorne.co again promo code boneyard give them the opportunity to serve you i have been so incredibly impressed the, the quality of the products fabulous the packaging the expedited shipping everything is great It's a great company to deal with. That's one of the reasons that I'm still with them. And, again, that's Hawthorne.co, H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E.co. Unlock some savings for yourself. You're going to like the way you smell. I'm going to tell you, it's the best clone I've ever had. Okay, so let's get in the top ten list. Again, a lot of reaction to rat, man. A lot of reaction to rat. I had a lot of people, Steve, thank you, man. man. I've been waiting to hear that. Rat. People forget, man. I guess it was like in '85. Rat kind of ruled the rock world, man. Rat was incredible. When Rat went out on Invasion of Your Privacy with Bon Jovi as a headliner, that was the show. Rat was incredible. Stephen Piercy, to this day, I believe, the coolest voice in 80s metal. Nobody's quite like Stephen Piercy. Matter of fact, I saw the, the Rat and Roll a couple years ago at Rocklahoma, had a great time. Love rat. Wear my rat shirt regularly. A lot of reaction. A lot of people sent me the, the you know, the horns, the emoji. Steve, thanks for the rat list. So I had somebody, that, they it's so funny. Some of these people send me a top ten list, and they don't want to be acknowledged on the show, which is kind of weird, but whatever. I'm trying to make you famous. A female listener says, hey, Steve, big Def Leppard fan. We'd like to hear your take on a top ten Def Leppard songs. Well, I'll tell you this. My list is probably going to vary uh, more so than most people's because I was on the Def Leppard bandwagon long before they started recording all these power ballads. Okay, so my list will be a little different. So I think it's, uh, let me go ahead and let you know right now. Here are, the, here are the songs that I like that didn't make the list. Rocket, good song, cool video, not top ten, for me good song uh too late for love one of my early favorites but some of the songs have come out probably pushed that outside of my personal top 10 uh the song hysteria that was so incredibly overplayed two steps behind one of the uh you know probably kind of an unearthed gem in that catalog i think two steps behind is uh one of those songs that probably didn't because of a change in music you know what i'm saying it probably got lost in the shuffle a little bit. And this one mi- narrowly missed, and i almost put it in at number 10. That's Animal, which was the second single off of the Hysteria album. Pretty cool video. It's about a circle, circus. All right, so here we go. Number 10 on my list is uh, Let's Get Rocked. Let's Get Rocked, kind of clever. It's been uh, kind of a stadium song. A lot of people talk about that one. Let it go, number nine. Let it go. One of the more recent songs. Uh, you know, it's um. Let me back up a second here. Let it go is off High and Dry. Let's get rocked. One of the more recent songs. It's in the Vivian Campbell years. But uh, let it go off High and Dry. One of the. Uh, you know, one of those songs too. That, you know, that High and Dry album was the one right before they found their sound. Because when they got into pyromania, Def Leppard became huge. Okay, speaking of pyromania, one of the best songs um, on that album, a lot of those to come. Bringing on the heartache is one of those ones you, you listen to and you think, okay, this is this is when Joe Elliott kind of found his ability to get up there and extend the range a little bit. Like that song a lot. Number seven, probably the ultimate Def Leppard power ballad with Love Bites. Again, that's off the uh, Hysteria album. That's when they went from being great to being superstars. Number six for me is the song Women. Uh, we love them. Love the song. Love the musical arrangement. Love the video. Number five, probably probably one of my favorite off that Hysteria album is Armageddon. Uh, I kind of like the, um, the double entendre there too, but also too kind of works in uh, some of that English accent type stuff. Armageddon it. Yes, I'm a getting it. All right, number four for me, this is when we start getting the good stuff, right? This is when we really get into the good stuff. I think we could make an argument that from 15 to 5, you could make a case for any song, but I think when you get into these top four, I think everybody has these in here. Number four is Rock of Ages. Love that song. Uh, still not quite sure some of the things they were talking about. But uh, Rock of Ages, one of those ones that everybody at school went and figured out the, you know, you'd and gleed and and Everybody said it because they thought we thought we were cool. And we were so cool, right? We were all so cool because we went there and talked about Def Leppard in the cafeteria lunchroom line. Okay, number three for me, and at one time I probably could have convinced you this is the best Loads Up Def Leppard song of all time, and that's Foolin'. Love the guitar on it, love the song, the video's pretty cool. And so we get to the final two. And I know some of you thinking, okay, I know what's number one, and you're wrong, because Pour Some Sugar on Me is number two. Love the song. Love the delivery on it. And I love what it did for music. That's one of the things, too, that uh, that I loved about the 80s, is that uh, in the early 80s, everybody was kind of anti-rock. You know, there was a lot, a lot of new wave stuff, a lot of pop stuff. But then... The, as people began to get out and go to shopping malls and buy records and cassettes and CDs and that sort of stuff, program directors at radio stations had to kind of make a shift in their programming, and so all of a sudden you you could hear Def Leppard, or White Snake, or Motley Crue on some top 40 stations. Not a lot of songs; they mainly just did the power ballads. Uh, but there was one, I remember that when you guys on the coast may remember when uh, this is Power 108. For so long, they would have these callers call in. They'd have you on, you could request a song, they'd put you on the radio. Hey, what do you want to hear tonight? Blah, blah, blah. And man, the people rose up and said, Hey, I want to hear this. I want to hear Motley Crue. I want to hear. And so they would have you on the air. And so it made them look a little foolish because, you know, some of you wanted to hear Debbie Gibson and Tiffany and people like that. And listen, nothing against them, but it wasn't rock music. So Power away. said a power pack coming up with Debbie Gibson, New Kids on the Block, and some other cute kids that dance around. You know, there wasn't a lot of power behind that. But eventually, we kind of wore them down a little bit, and so Def Leppard kind of paved a way to get a little more rock on a regular radio. And Pour Some Sugar on Me was a huge part of that because it was an unbelievable runaway hit. But again, this is my list, and the number one song for me, one of the best guitar riffs in rock during that time is photograph. Love the song, love the lyrics, love the video, love everything about it. If you want to ask me what's the best Def Leppard song of all time, it is without a doubt photograph, and I would be remiss if I didn't mention Steve Clark. Was kind of the, he was the guy, he was the guitar guy and uh was a guy who was an alcoholic and lost his battle with alcoholism and um that yeah, band has faced a lot of adversity. You know, Rick Allen, of course, uh, loses an arm in a car accident. Let's face it, friends. We live in uncertain times. Security, probably more important now than ever before. That's why it's important to keep you, your family, your property safe by working with my friends at Ufy. That's E-U-F-Y dot com. Let me tell you a little bit about this new video Smart Lock they have. It's super cool because basically you get happier and healthier than ever. Accident, that was also alcohol-related. But Steve Clark, one of the greats. And, uh, you know, the thing I think about, that maybe that's why I kind of gravitate to those earlier tunes, man, because he was the driving force behind so much of that. And it's really sad that he's not here today. And there have been some great songs written about him. I would say the best one is probably Song and Emotion uh, from Tesla. Because Tesla and Def Leppard went out together many times uh, on tour, and so there was a, a real relationship there. But uh, enjoy some Def Leppard today, guys. That's one of the things. When you guys send me a list and I pick a list, I just like I spend the next couple days kind of reminiscing and going back and listening to those songs. Uh, other day I spent, you know, probably a couple days listening to Three Doors Down. You know, just because he's like, hey, I forgot this song. I forgot about how good this album is because you get a little deeper into it, and that's the thing too. I don't want to spend too much time on this. It's one of the reasons that I'm kind of glad kids are buying Vine all these days. Not just because of the fact that uh, you know it's cool and it's hip or whatever. But here's the thing, man. When we were kids, we had cassettes. We didn't have Apple Music. You know, we had CDs, and we thought we'd revolutionized—pardon me—revolutionized me, revolutionized the game because we could just go click a button and skip songs. But when you're listening to vinyl and you put it on and you just kind of just you know maybe my house would get around shoot pool or whatever you're talking to your friends you get to go on a journey that an album takes you that you don't get listening to these single serving pop stars on Apple Music you put your playlist together and you listen to the same songs every day but when you put that record on it's so much trouble to go over there and pick and choose you just kind of listen to it and you will find so many great songs. And the soundtrack of my life is highlighted by B songs, B sides that are like buried on albums somewhere. Some of my favorite songs, and it's just like I recently talked about on this show that I'd picked up a Foreigner's Double Vision on vinyl, an original pressing, you know, from back in the '80s. And I had forgotten what a great song "Love Has Taken Its Toll" is. And it's just one now. Sometimes when I, I put that side on first, because I, I want to hear that track. Uh, before I have to flip the album over. And so, again, my little um, aside there about music. So Campus Bookmart, longtime time sponsor of the show. Great people, great prices, great selection. You can go visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That is BSR, which stands for beautiful Steve Robertson, and that gets you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than fifty bucks, absolutely incomplete. Stand a man, Miss Kathy Brown, the whole crew there, they'll take care of you. If there is anything Mississippi State related, they're gonna have it or they have access to it. So if you need to decorate your home, your office, whatever, you know, I know listen, for me, you know, I, I took advantage of the quarantine and I moved my office. I've got so much more room to spread out now. Got some stuff on the wall, but I got some some spaces I need to fill. I gotta get some maroon merch. And I'm gonna go to campus bookmart. You should too. Again, that's campusbookmart.net, promo code B S R. All right, so let's talk a little bit about liability. Because there's a lot of things out here. A lot of people have said, hey, well, they don't want to play because of this. And here is one of the things to it. I'm going to say this as nicely as I can, because sometimes I know that my tone is a little less than what I want it to be. So I'm trying to I'm not trying to talk down to anybody. I'm not trying to make anybody look silly or feel silly. But there are some of these things that get posted And these Mississippi State Facebook groups, I don't know where it comes from. And people say, well, they don't say according to sources. Oh, this is what I heard. It's the same thing. I don't know who you're talking to, but you need to talk to some other people. Some of these things that get out there make absolutely no sense whatsoever, and they're not rooted in fact. And then what happens is it gets spread. Well, here's what I heard. Here's what I heard. Here's what I heard. Okay, stop talking. Start listening. Start reading people that know what they're talking about. And listen, I know that's a moving target these days, because there's so many people out there in the media that they'll find somebody that agrees with their line of thinking and they go write an article about it and they think it ha- adds some teeth in it because they have somebody with a, you know, a degree or whatever that uh, you know, that, that provides some validity to the argument. And, and they, that's what our everybody's told us. Listen to the doctors, listen to the medical professionals. And so one of those things is out. I'm going I'm to talk about this a little bit cause I think it's important. There's a lot of liability with all this. The universities, full programs, there is liability. But, folks, there is liability with everything. There is risk with everything. And there are so many people that say, well, the risk is just too great. Listen, you know, for the person that walked out there and stepped out to the curb today and got hit by a bus, the risk was great for them too. But there's also the personal accountability component to all of this. You know the risk. Listen, if if we didn't do anything because of the fear of lawsuits, we would never do anything except sit in quarantine all the time. That's all we would ever do. We'd never go anywhere. We'd never do anything. We'd never meet anybody. We would just sit around. And, And so there's also the fear of not playing. What happens to these young people if we don't play? What happens to these communities if we don't play? What happens if we send these guys back home and listen you've seen it and listen small town mississippi doesn't have a lot of the risks that big cities do it. listen i i can't remember but i believe it was a florida player and i wish i would have remembered the, the tweet he said i got nothing to go back home to you're not gonna let me play you're gonna send me home i've got i've got nothing to go back to and there are other people that have said listen i don't want to go back home i don't want to have to go back and be on the streets where I live is not safe you guys know Brittany right Brittany from Last Chance You she tweeted that out yesterday hey administrators go home and look around your, your, your house and realize that most of these kids don't live like you Brittany Wagner you know, friend of the show you know and uh, I'm, I'm a fan of hers I, I admire the work she did at East Mississippi but she's exactly right you know, it's like we look sometimes, and, and this is, I'm not going to get political with you, but it's one of those things, you know, it's just like the flag issue. You know, I had a much different experience than many of my classmates, and I, was, I didn't know that at the time. But then when you begin to talk and you open some dialogue, you realize that not everybody is raised like you. Not everybody has the same values as you, and certainly not everybody has had the same experience as you. And so it's easy for me to say, okay, look, you just guys, you guys send the kids home from school. I'll deal with it. Okay, well, I work from home. It's a lot easier for me to deal with that. My youngest is about to be 15 years old. It's a lot easier for me to say, hey, you go do this, or I'm going to take your Xbox. It's easy to get that stuff done. The rest of that Robertson kid story is all three of my kids that have gone to college, and I have two that are still in, enrolled at Mississippi State now. Actually, one it's on co-op. But uh, my point being is that every, every one of my kids that has gone to college, within about a month of being, being in college, and for my youngest, it didn't take that long. They have come back or they have called, they have texted and said, you know what, I am so grateful for how I was raised. I am so grateful that my parents gave me some freedom to make some mistakes. Uh, one, one of my daughters, within days of being enrolled, said, I am so glad that I had some freedom to go get out and do some things so I didn't get to college and freak out like some of my classmates are doing. My kids are very fortunate in that respect. They also have had the opportunity to grow up in a household. Uh, that you know pushed them to achieve, but also gave them room to be themselves. They also didn't have to worry about walking to the street, uh, down the street, uh, and getting caught up in a you know crossfire, or anything like that. And that's one of the reasons we left Baton Rouge. Goodness. But there are a lot of young people out there that, because we know their names, and we see them on television and we see them in those beautiful uniforms, and we see them wearing all official issue Adidas gear, we think, hey, that kid went to the same high school as my kid, and so they must have been raised the same way. And we may not even do it consciously. But there are a lot of these people, this is the, this is the best they've had it. That's one of the things that I had one of our ex-coaches told me we're projecting kids you know after after signing interviewing a guy after signing what do you think about this kid he goes oh yeah he goes well once he gets on a college campus and he starts getting three meals a day he's gonna get about 25 pounds in the first year and I kind of looked at him because I don't know that I got it at the time and he goes yeah he goes this this kid here he said he's lucky if he gets to eat every day and you begin to think about this and say but wait a minute you know wait a minute he's a four-star kid coach but he didn't come from a four-star home. He didn't come from a four-star background. And so these guys get here, they become part of our family. They don't want to go home. And it's not that they don't love their families, but because it's riskier to go home, even without the virus. You know, I'm going to share a story with you, bet you don't know. And you can verify this, because I verified it with the person who was involved in it. When Bernardrick McKinney, attended mississippi state university because you know he was a draft eligible guy was able to come out early and he did the year before bernardrick mckinney the summer before B-Mac played his final year at mississippi state he was home in tunica mississippi and somebody at a gas station i believe is correct but i may not be correct about the location Somebody ran up to Bernardrick McKinney and threw gasoline on him and tried to set him on fire. Yeah, let that sink in for a second. Somebody a little bit jealous of BMAC tried to set him on fire while he was a college athlete here at Mississippi State. Not anybody in Stark, but when he was back home. Let that sink in for a second. and you think about your own kids, and you think about these other kids out there, many of them, and I'm not trying to say B-Mac doesn't have a good family because he does, there are many of these young people that have had to raise themselves. And many of the mentors in their life have not necessarily been, um, you know, what you or I would choose. And so I think it's important to kind of understand, you know, the best family that many have is the Mississippi State family. I interviewed Sleepy Robinsons for Alpha Dogs. Sleepy Robinson, and uh, that's one of the only interviews that I've done in recent years where uh, I got a little misty out here, and it's got to talk about it. Number one, I love Sleepy Robinson, and you should too. If you know to know Sleepy is to love Sleepy Robinson, and, and and those of you that know him know exactly what I mean. He is the life of the party. Every time he sees you, he grins, always wants to hug your neck. He is a fine person. Sleepy Robinson told me. Mississippi State was the only family he ever knew. His mom had died. His dad was on drugs. He depended on his high school coaches to kind of teach him how to be a man. It was a choice between football or the streets. And he said, you know, and I came to Mississippi State. He goes, I joined a family. He goes, Steve, I didn't even know how to have Christmas until I went to Mississippi State. Didn't know how to have Christmas. Until he went to Mississippi State. Found his wife in Starkville, raised a family here. Began a career here. One of the most beloved Bulldogs of all time. Only played starting quarterback for us for a short time before he got injured. But he is an enduring bulldog great. And so it's really easy to say, oh, well, let's just, you know, let's just pack them up and send them home. Let's just pack them up and send them home. And that's a very short-sighted solution to a bigger problem. You think everybody in their community is wearing a mask? You know, that's what we always say, you know. (laughs) It's not like that. You don't know what people are dealing with. And so I want to get into this thing about this uh, heart condition thing. I've chased that rabbit trail a little bit. I got a little fired up there for a second, so... It was an article that uh, by a professor, that Dennis Dodd wrote, and I'm not I'm not saying this to be critical of Dennis Dodd in any way, you know. But uh, Dennis quoted University of Illinois computer science professor Dr. Sheldon Jacobson. Back in June, Dr. Jacobson projected three to seven deaths in the FBS if we played football in 2020. Six weeks later, Dr. Jacobson comes back. This is on Tuesday, just yesterday. And he says that eighteen to .18 to .37 athlete deaths would be expected to occur from coronavirus-related complications now. So we've gone from a handful may die to less than one may die. That's around infection rate of 10 percent right the national rate according to this article from chris hummer from 247 sports the national rate march to may was seven percent now that's not what they'll tell you but that's directly from somebody that's running the numbers seven percent and here's a quote Infection rate would have to hit 30% for those calculations for FBS football players to die from COVID this year. And that's on the high end of the calculations. But here's what Dr. Jacobson had to say. As long as we're in under 10% infection with a 95% confidence interval, the expected number of deaths is well below one. It doesn't mean that it can't occur. It is just highly unlikely to occur. Again, this is a guy who was initially quoted in what became a national article about the dangers of playing college football this year. And again, this just illustrates the point of why the SEC is right to wait. As Greg Sankey says, you get more information, you get new information all the time, and then you begin to figure out this thing, there's nothing wrong with waiting, a lot of people out there that would say, and I've read it in the national media, many, many people keep changing the, uh, the narrative. Well, how are these players any safer if they're playing college football? Let's hear what Dr. Jacobson had to say. When they're playing games, they're in a more controlled environment than if they're not playing games. If you look at the success of the NHL, it's not the three or four hours a day when they're playing the game. It's all the hours that they're taking great pains to control. That's where infections are spread. As a result, by playing less games, you're giving the student and athletes a little more latitude, and that latitude could lead to more infections. So did you hear that right? By playing less games, you're giving the players more latitude. You're giving them more freedom. You're giving them more opportunity to get out and have more private time and go to the Cotton District and try to pick up women and get infected. Less games means less of a controlled environment. Also, Dr. Jacobson says, if you can mimic what the NHL has done, which is a high bar, no problem. It's going to be less than that for most teams. Some teams have more resources than others. And if you have teams that have less resources to achieve a level of protection in their bubbles and you don't want to play, you'll just have to have an infection rate. If you have the resources to protect everybody, there is no reason not to play. Now, again... I don't know Dr. Jacobson from anybody, but if his opinion six weeks ago was good enough for a CBS News article, and again, I'm not being critical of Dennis Dott at all. That's not what I'm suggesting. I'm suggesting if this person was credible then, he's credible now. And so before, if we're forecasting death and despair based on his opinion, can't we give him some room to say, you know what, I might have misjudged? I was wrong. Now, it doesn't look like anybody would die if we played college football. It's incredible to think that's the conversation we're having, life or death. There's a lot of liability in this, this whole thing. People are worried, what about lawsuits? And listen, as I said earlier in this segment, there's the fear of getting sued every day if you want to do it. I and mean, if you're in business, especially if you're successful, somebody's going to try to sue you. That's one of the things too, people always bring up. Well, you know, we're playing travel team baseball. And we are. We're playing AAU basketball, and we are. I say, well, you know, why is it a, a, you know, a problem for college football? Well, number one, the resources are there you know, for trial lawyers. And, again, I'm not being critical of attorneys. Everybody's going to make a living. And Around Gene's page today, somebody brought up Tom Mars' quote. Tom Mars quoted in, a, uh, in an article about there are a lot of trial lawyers out there kind of licking their chops just waiting for something to happen. And people are like, well, that's not right. Well, that's their job. That's what they do. Loggers are problem-solvers, as one of our posters said on jeanspage.com. It's their job to find as many problems as possible. That's the reality of life. Listen, any time that a kid gets hurt, there's almost always a lawsuit, right? Whether it be the helmet manufacturer the school or whatever, there's always something. There's always some level of risk and liability. And so when you begin to think about, okay, what, what happens if a kid tests positive? Well, chances are the odds show that he's not going to get sick. You know, the odds are very much in favor of he will be asymptomatic or have light symptoms and kind of move forward with life. And then those that get sick, it's, it's light. But there will be, listen, there's a kid from Indiana that's, that's had a really major issue. Let's not sit here and act like it's not a possibility. It's not a probability, but it's very much a possibility you could have somebody get really, really sick. But here's the deal. Can a trial lawyer out there prove that a guy got it from playing football? And how do we know that they did? And, of course, there's a lot of money at stake, With insurance companies and, you know, college football programs and universities, there's a lot of money available, you know, for those looking to get a case settled, which is why they don't go out there and sue your travel team baseball, right? There's no money to be made there. But how do we know that Johnny quarterback would have gotten sick at practice or gotten sick at a ball game? How do we know he didn't get sick when he went and hung out with his girlfriend and her friend that came to the game? We don't know that. And so there's the whole issue of causation. We don't want anybody to get sick, no matter where they get it from. But there are a lot of people out there that are kind of short-sighted and say, well, you're putting those kids at risk for your own entertainment. No, I'm not. I'm not putting anybody at risk. They're making an adult decision that they want to play the game they love. And it's not like we're just throwing them out there hoping for the best. We're testing them twice a week and now they're going to have some heart testing protocols to ensure there's not even more of an issue. So we're making it safer. It was already going to be pretty safe and now they're going to make it safer for them to play. And so if it is safe for them to play and they feel that it's safe for them to play and the university feels that it's safe for them to play and the conference feels that it's safe for them to play, who are you Everybody's got skin in the game. All of those people do. You don't. You know, so why should the opinion of somebody who is not invested in this, who has nothing to lose, why is their opinion so important? You don't think Mississippi State has lawyers? You don't think Mississippi State has medical professionals that are in consult with other medical professionals? You don't think the Southeastern Conference has lawyers looking through all of this, every potential liability? You don't think that the SEC, the Big 12, the ACC, have medical teams that are now probably in concert, working together to ensure that everybody can pull this off safely? I want to remind you this, for those of you that didn't know this, back on August the 1st, the Iowa high school activities association wrapped up their baseball state championships yeah you heard that right the state of iowa crowned softball and baseball state champions august 1st the only school in the country that resumed spring sports the only state that allowed it to happen now of course you know the only list the only running list anybody had are the schools that canceled. They didn't they didn't keep up with the ones that didn't have issues. They just kept up with the ones that did because that's news. Oh, well, so-and-so who's 0-11 had to cancel their season because they had a, t- a player test positive. But that's news, right? You know, here's the deal, that the overwhelming majority, and I just told us in the 90s, never had a positive test. Let me look these numbers up for you just so I can be accurate here. Yeah, so 94% of Iowa high school baseball teams did not have an issue with COVID, 94%. And so here was the rule. So if anybody on your team tested positive, the entire team had to quarantine for 14 days and not play any games. And so if that extended to the end of your schedule, then your season was over. And so those are the rules that everybody signed up for. And, of course, you know it was reported Well, so-and-so canceled season due to COVID. Well, yeah, I guess technically that's true. But that's, that's basically clickbait advertising. It's like, hey, you know, the season was canceled because of this. And it turns out the majority of those people that tested positive never had a symptom. But they canceled as a precaution as well they should because you don't want to have the infection rates. But anyway, the governor of Iowa pushed forward and said listen we're going to give these people an opportunity to resume sports Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds so they resumed in June and they finished in August and they crowned state champions and so I say that because I think it's important there was a couple things that I'll say number one why wasn't that a bigger story well it didn't fit the national narrative right they were all about to die And we're not. But you had the state of Iowa. Not only did they play, they let fans attend. And then they finished the season and they crowned champions. And I believe Iowa goes up to 4A. But they played, and uh, nobody died. And it doesn't appear that anybody got sick. At least not severely. And so, again, I'm not trying to diminish the potency of this virus. I'm just trying to illustrate here that this can happen. This can work. You think that, it, that the Iowa High School Association can do a better job testing and treating their athletes than the SEC, the ACC, and the Big 12? Are you kidding me? They don't have the resources. What they did is hey, if anybody got symptomatic, if anybody started exhibiting symptoms of COVID, we're going to test them. And a lot of them tested and didn't, were and tested negative. Sometimes you just get a summer cold. But the ones that did, they shut it down. They quarantined them. And they had a tournament at the end of the year. They worked through the tournament, and then they, they played and had champions. It is incredible to me that that is not the story, the headline of August. Iowa figures it out allows kids to play, and 94% of the teams had zero issues with COVID-19. Zero. 94%. It's incredible. But the Pac-12 and the Big Ten would have you believe that just because we put a shoulder pad and helmets on, that the potency of the virus will increase and the infection rates will skyrocket. I don't know if you saw this thing, too, and I think I touched on this on Wednesday that uh, Notre Dame tested all 12,000 returning students and I think had, what, 36 test positive for COVID? That was the big fear, right? Is that we're going to take these kids who have not been sitting home, mind you, that all of a sudden when we get everybody back together, it's going to be a petri dish and it's going to be a breeding ground for COVID. And listen, there's a possibility we're going to have some infections. But you know what? Some universities... They've rented out hotels to quarantine students to test positive for COVID. So they'll sit around, take their online classes, watch Netflix, and get room service um, until they're negative, and then they'll rejoin the student body population. And there's a lot of this that goes on. Everybody gets a little sideways here. And, you know, listen, I think it's always best just take a deep breath here. Because at the end of the day, we don't want anybody to get sick. We don't want a football player to get sick. We don't want a grandmother to get sick. We don't want the post carrier to get sick. Listen, I keep my distance from people. I do not just for me, but I want them to feel safe I'm going to go. Uh, I'm in the gas station the other day, sitting there trying to you know, pick up a snack for me and the kid, and I got somebody standing up. I'm like, Can you? I wanted to say it, I didn't, because I'm, I'm trying to trying to be nice. Can you give me a little room here? I don't, I don't even need the full six feet, but can you just get off of me? Do you, like They wanted to step up and ask the cashier a question while I'm checking out. Listen, we're trying to live in a society here in the middle of a global pandemic. so you give me a little room to breathe here, pal? But the, the humanity in all of this. You, know, you want to ask me if we should play? I say we absolutely should play. If the numbers continue to improve, I think the SEC and the Big 12 and the Conference USA and I think everybody, they have no choice to play. I think in many ways you kind of paint yourself in a corner. When you come out and say we're going to prepare to play and monitor the situation, if the situation improves, then you have to play. And then then you begin to look at this thing. Let's say we start playing football and we get in October. And listen, there are going to be some issues. You're going to have some t- kids test positive and there's going to be some guys that miss games. They're going to, have to quarantine. That's going to happen. But let's say we get in this thing in October and there's just, let's say there's minimal issues with that. What do you think is going to happen to the donorship of the Pac-12 and the Big Ten when they see the SEC and the ACC and the Big 12 dominating the college football scene Now, all of a sudden, this abbreviated schedule you want to play in the spring, it's almost a must. And listen, it could be one of those situations where in college sports we get two seasons, right? You know, we we talk about we almost didn't have a season. We might end up getting two. We might get our regular season or a semblance of that in the fall and then turn around in the spring. Maybe we get to watch the Big Ten and the Pac-12 play. Maybe we get an extended season. I don't know. But I think the pressure has clearly shifted in this situation. I believe the Big Ten tried to have a little bit of a power play here, and it blew up in their face. I think it's not done blowing up in their face. But I commend the SEC and the leaders and league presidents around the South, the Southwest, that have said, you know, listen, let's just wait it out. And, again, we're not kicking off tomorrow, kids. There's no guarantees. The only thing right now that we're assured of is that those major conferences are moving forward. They're moving forward with the previous plans and adding some additional medical protocols to ensure they can keep their students safe. So are we delaying the inevitable? Maybe. I don't think so, though. I think as long as the numbers improve, that we're going to play college football. And again, I commend those for giving this process and these protocols time to play out before making a rash decision. Well, that's going to do it for today. I'll be back on Friday. Hope things are well with you. I hope Friday's a payday for you. We'll talk a little more about what is to come. Before I get out of here, I almost forgot, the Big 12 has already released their schedule. You know, it's like, hey, not only are we playing, guys, here's a schedule. SEC, I'm told, that that may happen late this week, probably early next week. You know, last Friday we finalized the opponents, could finalize dates here. I reached out to some people this morning and said, hey, it's, it's close late this week, early next week. It's already Wednesday, so we're, you know, we're talking here in the next few days. But I think that's going to be big, too. I think that's very healing. So, okay, not only do we know who we're playing, here's the order I can begin to kind of make some plans. And, again, we'll see what happens between now and September 26th. We've got six weeks figured out, kids. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies, and people can see a difference in the way we live.